Hello everyone and welcome to the Blame It On The Bar podcast. I'm your host Mac. So we've had our first full weekend of Premier League action and on today's show we'll be looking back on it all as Chelsea and Wolves claimed big wins, Man United and Spurs uh, shared the spoils, Sheffield United suffered a damaging defeat at Newcastle, Arsenal went from one shambles to another as they lost at Brighton, losing two games before some teams even played one. And in the Merseyside derby, it was another goalless draw as Liverpool inched one closer, one step closer to the title. And to discuss all that alongside me and more, we, we have Momalas. Hello, lads. Making their debuts, Tom. Yo, what's good, lads? And Denzel. Hello, how is everyone? Good. Uh, so, my United and Spurs, the Friday night game, ended up a 1-1 draw. My United grew into the game after a slow start with, the, with that De Gea mistake gifting Spurs the goal. Pogba eventually came on and made a decent impact. To this, uh, Momalas, what did you make of United's performance and Pogba's impact in particular? Um, so United, I'd say, started pretty okay in terms of possession and keeping the ball. Spurs sat back for the first period of the game up to the water break. That seemed to break up our momentum a bit. David Ayer made it. A dumb mistake, which has become really regular of him right now. And then afterwards, second half, he started slow again. Pogba and Greenwood came on, and that injected the creativity that we needed to create chances against Tottenham's deep block, especially towards the last 15 minutes where Spurs basically just sat back and created almost nothing. And I think here, yeah, Pogba, if he's committed to the club, we should definitely do all we can to build the team around him. Yeah, um, that's true, especially with the way he connected with Bruno Fernandes and the partnership there. What did you make of those two's connection? Because it was very promising at times, especially when that chance for Martial, Bruno created uh, with that through ball. Yeah, and I'd say that the best players in the world like playing with each other. So obviously Bruno and Pogba are not up to, for me, they're not up to that standard yet, but they're obviously good players. And any player would like to play with someone as good as him. So when I see people saying that they cannot play together, for example, because they're too attacking, Pogba can play as a deep-lying midfielder. Bruno does trap back when we lose the ball. It's just that whoever's on either side of them, so either Scott McTominay or Matic, would have to be, would have to be someone that could cover a lot of ground as well. But it's looking good so far. What's not looking good is uh, David De Gea and another howler, as you mentioned earlier, do you think this is the end of the road for him and Dean Henderson's time has come? I mean, if I was in charge of the club, De Gea would be out by the end of the season. Like, he would not even play in the Europa League. We'd get Dean Henderson back and make sure to register him. But obviously, that's not how the world works. We're obviously indebted to De Gea for the fantastic service he's given us. But we should not allow that to, to do what's best for the club. Obviously, it's sad personally for him that his quality has gone down. But we we need a keeper, and because if he comes to stop four again, that's really damaging for the club. Uh, yeah, agreed. Um, it's one of those situations you can't let sentimentality cloud your judgment. Uh, Tom, what did you make of the game? I think I, I agree with Momalas and in, in, in most of the aspects. I think the water break did genuinely uh, slow down a lot of the momentum that United built up. But I think Tottenham started strong. I think they had a clear game plan to. Uh, 
to deal with uh, United, and Mourinho talked about that a lot before the game, and he wanted credit for both his defense and United's defense for keeping each other as quiet as possible. But I think Pogba, when he came on, completely changed the game. Him and Bruno, the link-up was amazing, and I think Pogba's the only midfielder currently in the Premier League that can play like a winger. Like He's got amazing feet for the stature that he has, and I think it was, it was brilliant to see him back, and it's just a matter of holding on to him for United now. Uh, yeah, that, I agreed, but I don't really agree when you say he's the only midfielder of that stature who can play as a winger because De Bruyne really sifts to the right. But in terms of his dribbling skills, De Bruyne they're there as well. So I think De Bruyne is another one who can do that. And but yeah, that that was really encouraging from Pogba and United how he won the penalty and just totally turned the game around for them. Uh, Denzel, what did he make of the game? Um, I thought it was a good game overall. And I was watching the game and I was thinking, wow, like Tottenham are actually defending really well. Then Pogba came on because for, for someone I was impressed with during the game as well was Eric Dyer. I thought Dyer was having a good game. Then Pogba came on and absolutely ruined him, which I was like, well, that is what they paid the 86 million for him in the first place. So I feel like watching the game, I feel like Pogba had a point to prove to show everyone because there were there were silly accusations when he was injured saying that he's faking, that he's trying to get out the door. But he came on and actually showed what he's worth and what he brings to the team, which I thought was good. And I think Kim and Bruno played well together as well because I liked, I liked, I also like the fact that Bruno took the penalty because Pogba has been out for a long time. So I think since Pogba won it, people say he is this egotistical player. And I feel like if he was what the media says him he is, he would have picked the ball up and took it himself, which isn't the case at all. But then on the downside for United, De Gea again, like I've defended De Gea so much, even before, even during the pandemic where there was a break, I thought oh, De Gea has time, you know, to reflect and come back. Then the first game back, he pulled such a howler, and I was, I just don't understand how he can fall so far from grace. Yeah, true. And especially when you mentioned the part about a break, uh, another player who I thought a break would do really good for was Harry Kane. He's proven to be a disappointment once again. Um, Tom, do you see Harry Kane making any sort of comeback to his previous form? I think when it comes to Harry Kane, um, we we got to we got to think about the fact that he's not played football for the last six months. That's a, that's a major, major, major break from coming back from an injury. As most of the players that have come back now have only not been playing for the past three months since March. But Harry Kane's had a considerably longer break than most other players. So I think it's a, it's a bit of trying to get back to fitness and um, trying to refine his form. And I think Mourinho is a big fan of him uh, as a striker. So I don't think there's going to be many more games like this when he gets his fitness back up. That's a fair point. But at the same time, Kane's say from like 2018, his form is, seems to drop off after the World Cup 2018. He's just not looked the same player for me. He seems to have lost a step. He seems um, not really the player that he was from before. Mamalas, what do you make of Harry Kane um, and his supposed decline? Uh, for me, first of all, he's a player that I really, really like in terms of how he plays, how he puts himself into the game, his attitude to training. But for someone that's 26, and I'm not sure, obviously he had a really long, long break, but he, he, the game against um, United, he had, I don't think he won any single header against Maguire. So usually he make his stick and he would allow Tottenham to play. But so for someone... Have, have his injuries caught up to him when he used to rush back from injuries to to play for Tottenham to make the Champions League final. We'll just see in the next seven or eight games to see how he does and whether he's really back. Because obviously as an England fan as well, I'd ideally like him to come back 
saw that for next year Euros as well. So hopefully he makes it back. I think it's a good point to mention when it comes to um, his injuries because he has rushed back quite considerably when it comes to most of it. I mean, even before the the lockdown period started, before we knew the virus was as big as it is now, he was trying to push to be back for the Euros, which would be around this time now anyway. And it was not an injury that you could get back from that quickly. So I think he pushes himself a bit too much. Maybe that leads to a bit of a loss of, uh, loss of speed, loss of legs. And I think that's a big factor in it as well. Exactly, and he's constantly trying to rush back from injuries along with a lot of... Um, Spurs don't have an adequate replacement for him. Exactly. So he plays a lot of football yeah. um, and doesn't get the rest. And then when he gets injured, he rushes back. So it's a terrible combination in terms of those things. Yeah, I really hope it's not a situation where he's peaked really early. As similar to like, you know, when Michael Owen obviously won the Ballon d'Or really yep. young. Yep. He, yep. Good, he was good when he was really young, but as he got older... But even though he won the league at United or whatever, he still wasn't the player he used to be, which I really hope isn't the case with Harry Kane. Yeah, that's a good point, uh, really. So we'll, we'll see over the next few months how he does and if he, if he gets his fitness up and his form returns. Um, speaking of North London teams, um, Arsenal went from another sh- one shambles to another. Um, Tom, what did you make of the game overall? I think there's there's a lot missing from that Arsenal team. There's... A lot missing from it. I don't think there's one player on that team, bar Leno, that genuinely feels like they have the fight to be able to play for that club. I don't think there's any fight in it whatsoever. I think under Wenger, they had a lot of positives in their game, and I think they had a lot of negatives as well, but they still had stuff to cling to, whether it be the style of football or the youngsters coming through. But I think now in the last two seasons, they haven't had many positives, if at all. I think they stumbled through to... A Europa League final, and when they got there, they were they didn't feel like they deserved to be there in a sense. So I think there's just been very, very little positives when it comes to their game, and I think it was a mistake letting go of Wenger. So I would say early, but he was there for like 16 years. But I think they um they definitely needed a few more years out of him to be able to set up properly for someone like uh, Arteta to come in. I think the issue. I see the point you're trying to make, but personally, I think the issue is the hierarchy itself. They didn't properly put in a succession plan in place um, to replace Wenger. They went from Wenger to Emery. That's a ridiculous jump to go from that type of manager to Emery. And then the player, the transfer windows they've had, even under Wenger towards the end, and the signings like Mustafi, Granite, Xhaka for lots of money, and it's not really worked out. And Lucas Perez. Exactly. Uh, for example. So I think the structure, the hierarchy itself from Kroenke not really spending enough money, even when he does spend money, you have the directors of football who can't really effectively use that money. Momalas, what do you make of the situation at Arsenal? Um, For me, it feels like, obviously as a United fan, I cannot really speak too much. Actually, I know a lot about managers and the like succession and the future plan that you need. So when they when Wenger left and Emery came in, it seemed like they were trying to avoid the mistakes that United did with Fergie and Moyes. So I think they tried to look at that and see, oh, what can we do differently to make sure that doesn't occur to us? It doesn't seem to have worked. I don't think Emery was... I don't think he was the right manager at all for them, even quality-wise. But I think now with Arteta, I think people are... I'm not going to say overblowing it because there are some serious concerns, but this is not a squad that is good enough to play week in, week out at the highest level of Premier League football. It's not going to get a top four. We know that. So 
cut Arteta a bit of slack, give him some money to spend in the summer. There are some youth coming through, like Saka, um, Nelson, uh, and Katia. So that, there's, there's, there's that promise, but there's also the old players, experienced players, like David Luiz, who are failing. They Peter Cech last season as well. And with Leno out for up to a year now, apparently, due to his injury, it's not looking good for the immediate future. But two, three years down the line, maybe we could see a new Arsenal. I think when it comes to Arsenal, their hierarchy is, um, as you were mentioning, Mac, I think it comes to, like, they, they, they look to me as a club without a plan. And yeah, exactly. we can see with, when it comes to Liverpool, you have to have a clear, clear plan in mind as to how you want to go about it. And I don't think Arsenal have that plan in mind. I think they're just going through the motions. I think yeah, that's a really just, good point. They're going from one Sorry. thing to another. Um, and they're being used as a dumping place, uh, dumping yard for agents who want to get clients like David Luiz off their books and, and find a club for him. So this whole situation where Arsenal fans were going about Raul Sanelli and his uh, pulling power, it's just they've been deluded, to be honest with you. And the whole structure from Raul Sanelli, uh, the Cronkies, need sorting out before the, the manager's not the issue. I think Arteta's the right guy in the long term, but yep. the hierarchy needs to sort itself out and have a clear plan of where they want to go, even if it takes time. As long as the plan is in place, they will get somewhere. Uh, Denzel, what do you make of the situation? Um, I kind of feel sorry for Arteta because if I had to compare him to Lampard or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Lampard, so people said Lampard wasn't ready and people say Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wasn't, like, isn't a great, good enough manager for the clubs. But the difference between them and Arteta, it feels like their clubs actually want to back them for their, for their plan. Whereas I feel like obviously Arteta came through in the middle of the season, but I feel like he's just been thrown into the deep end. Like There's nothing there for him to really work with. Yeah, true. And plus, there's some players in that squad who clearly aren't bothered and don't want to be there. I'm not convinced yeah. uh, Aubameyang actually wants to be there. Um, yeah, I, from some I, of think I mean, who who would want to though? With the yeah, current state of Arsenal, who would want to? Not even getting any service. That's true. Uh, that city game. Sorry. Go on. Sorry, I feel sorry for Leno actually because he's the only player. Like in the City game, if it wasn't for him, it would, the score would have been way worse. It would have been a lot worse. Yeah. And then he's been their best player. Obviously, he's made a few mistakes obviously, against game against Chelsea and a few mistakes here and there. But he saved them on countless occasions. And for him to go out with an injury, did you say for a year? Which I think yeah. I feel so sorry for him. Uh, yeah. Um, what did you guys make of the Neil Mopé incident? There was a lot of outrage from Arsenal fans in particular over the challenge to Leno. Um, accidents happen. I didn't think... I didn't feel like... There were people saying he was out to get him and the people saying horrible things on Twitter... But I feel in football, accidents happen because even against, if you watch City versus Arsenal, um, Edison took out his own player by, by accident because he just he just yeah. literally going for the ball. I feel it's a similar situation here, but it just looks more, it just looks worse than what it was. Like It looks like his intent was worse than what it actually was. But I feel like he was just playing the game. When it comes to football, you ne- I don't think any player, well, nowadays anyway, go into a game thinking, oh, I'm going to injure one of their players for a yeah. very, very long time. Yeah. I don't think that's a mindset of anyone. And if there is, I don't think they should be playing football at all. So I don't think he, he went in with the intent to, you know, screw over Burn Leno at all. I, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, the Mane challenge on Ederson a few years back. Yes. It's not like Mane went into that game thinking, oh, I'm going in- to kick Ederson in the face so we get a- more of an advantage. No, it's not how it works. I think it was just wrong place at the wrong time. And it was a bad accident that Leno now has to pay for. Yeah. Yeah, and my, my big issue with that is the Arsenal players' reaction 
uh, when Mopé scored the goal, they had that energy to go after him. But where was that energy when uh, Leno got injured and your teammates are there? If if you if you feel that way about the incident, especially the way the things have come out since uh, the game, then why aren't you showing that level of uh, compassion and that anger towards Mopé for injuring your teammate if you believe he actually injured him in, on purpose? Yeah. Um, yeah. Olas, what do you make of the whole situation? Um, I mean, yeah, footballers don't go out on like to injure other players. Like they know what it feels like to be injured. I think Mope had a long injury as well recently this season. And um, yeah, I think it was just like it was just a the wrong place at the wrong time, as Tom said. And with the Mope as well, is Arsenal players had an issue with him scoring the winner when they think he should have been sent off. But why why not pressure the ref or do anything at the time exactly. if they do feel like that? I think it's just that. They knew they were going to get slack on social media for not backing him at the time, so they had to do something to look like, oh, we're not just going to go down without a fight or something like that. I feel like that was a bad reaction, though, because in the yep. game of football, like, I feel uh, with Arsenal, a lot of their players, like, we've seen the problem with Arsenal, a lot of their players just seem like, I don't know how to put it, they're just like, they're a bit like, they're like babies, kind of. Like, yep. obviously, yeah. you've lost the game now. Instead of you to reflect on your reaction, whether you're going after the guy. That's injured your keeper. Obviously, I understand you don't want to see your friend get hurt, you don't want to see your teammate get hurt. But the reaction shouldn't be after you've considered the winner. Your reaction should be to go out and win the game for him, not to slack off and lose. Exactly. Exactly. Really that would have been team. the best uh, thing you could have done for him is to go out and win that game. Uh, if you remember the Eduardo incident as well, I understand yeah. the challenge was really bad and it wasn't remotely similar to this in that sense, but it was still a really bad challenge. And what did Arsenal do? Rather than try to win the game for Eduardo and show some character and come back from that situation, they capitulated and lost. It's just what Arsenal do. They can't seem to handle it in the big moments. They always tend to capitulate. I think it comes down to mentality more than anything. Yeah. I think yeah. when it comes to their squad currently as well, when their, their mentality is not right, when things aren't going their way, I think they feel like they're entitled to more than they have. I, I don't know whether it be due to promises that managers have made in the past about uh, their play style or how they play, but it just feels like whenever things aren't going their way, it's just, like you said, it, it, it almost sounds like they're, they're kind of babies. It's like, you've, you've taken away my toys and now, now I don't like it. And there's nothing that I can do about it. It's just, yeah. it feels a bit soft. Yeah, Arsenal really need to start growing a backbone, sort out the hierarchy and actually sign, uh, give Arteta time to sign a higher quality of player. Um, speaking of a team who's actually not in much of a mess, who had a really good weekend, Chelsea. Um, Denzel, what did you make of uh, Chelsea's performance? In particular, Kante was getting rave reviews um, after his performance in, um, in the 4-3-3 playing as the DM. I am so happy to finally see Kante where he belongs. Obviously, people do criticize Sari a lot, but I do feel like I do feel Sari added to his game last season, making him go forward. And Lampard tried it earlier in the season as well, seeing Kante go forward, which he's he's all right at, but he looks so at home at DM. He looks he looks more comfortable. He feels like he can control the game better. And people were saying he didn't have the match intelligence match intelligence to do so, which I thought was rubbish, because if you watch yesterday, he played well, not just going backwards. Not just defending, sorry. He also going forward, he helped a lot there as well. And I just felt it was good to finally see him there. which made me really happy. Uh, yeah, his choice of pass was really encouraging as well. That, that was one of the things yeah. that Kante was criticised for. He doesn't really have that forward pass in him. And he showed that yesterday that he's more than capable. Uh, Marmalas, what did he make of the game, uh, the Chelsea game? Uh, sorry to say I missed the game. 
<laughs> so did I. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. Um, so, Denzel, uh, yeah. Lost the Cheek uh, tend to get uh, quite a lot of criticism. Uh, do you think his performance was down to Rust, or is there something to worry about? I don't think there's anything. It's too soon to say there's something to worry about, because I watched the game. He was playing out of position. He played the left mid for Chris Patterson. He never played it. Because playing left mid for Chris Patterson, playing left mid for Chelsea, completely different. I feel like Lampard got the lineup wrong. He should have stopped him and Mount because Mount obviously presses forward more as well. And Lost could be more at home in the left center mid. But people saying that he's done or that he's he's not going to fulfill his promise, I think is rubbish. I still think there's a lot of potential there. And I still think he will come back. Well, I hope he does at least. He will come back and prove why a lot of Chelsea fans love him the way we do. I think Lampard deserves a lot of credit for what he's done. I don't think anybody at the start of the season expected Lampard to come in and be yeah. be solidified as a top four team with the squads that they have, especially after uh, losing Hazard and um, having the transfer ban. I think Lampard's done bits to be able to, you know, make sure that they're winning games That's true. despite not having the squad to be able to win some of the games that they've done. I think they've showed great character to do that. I think Lampard's installed a good mentality into the squad because if you mm-hmm. look at like one of the, one of my favorite games of the season was um, I think when we beat Arsenal two one where we were down one nil. He's obviously brought on Tariq Lamptey who no one knows exists, no one knows existed. He's come and played well, but then the actual desire to come back and win, like the celebrations at the end, the team coming together. Like I haven't seen a Chelsea team that have like have this sort of like unity in a very long time. Like it's always been like different little groups of players. Obviously, you have like. When we won the league before, we had like the Costas and Hazards, the Fabregas. But like, I feel like now we're more of a team, whereas everyone plays for everyone. Whereas before, we relied on individuals with just a couple of players to do the work. I think Chelsea has what Arsenal need at this point. Because I think their squads, if you compare player by player, I don't think there's, there's much difference between the two teams. But it, there's just the, the mentality, like you said, was, is there. And it's been instilled by Lampard. And I think that's what Arsenal is missing. Yeah, one of the issues, that's a real positive for Chelsea, but one of the big issues for them is their defence. Again, they gave up a sloppy goal after being on top for quite a bit. Um, they've made, um, as you can, as you know, they've uh, signed Timo Werner and uh, Ziyech, and Pulisic came off the bench and made a real good impact. So going forward, they should be fine next season, but I don't really see them making a serious title challenge unless they address the defence, especially at centre-back and left-back. Uh, Denzel, is that really is an issue that's worrying you? Um, I wouldn't say. I would say we do need. I'll say we need a left back for sure, but I don't think we'll. Like I was thinking about it after the game because the, I think the problem was we were, we were we had so much possession and we weren't actually doing anything of it. And obviously we don't want our players to lose concentration, but I feel like just that one lack of concentration caused the, us to concede. Whereas, when I feel like when Werner and Gia come in and Kai Havertz possibly also coming in, when we've actually scored. And we're actually ahead. Players will be more switched on to like, oh, you need to keep the lead. Whereas when we're just passing it around, it's, like, it's easier for them to switch off. So I don't think our defense is. I don't think our defense is that bad. Obviously, our the record doesn't show doesn't show it that way. But Kepes was poor this season. He was all right. The goal we conceded. He's been all right since he came back to the squad. Sorry. And the goal we conceded. He made a good save initially, but I do think he said I'm better with that one. So I wouldn't say it's just down to the defense because I feel like overall the defense had a decent game. I think it reminds uh, me a lot. Yeah. Sorry, I think it reminds me a lot of um, when when Liverpool signed uh, Salah. When you have that threat on the front line, it makes sure that the teams that you're playing against 
won't push too many up because they know of the threat yeah. that's up top. So I think those two signings have will, you know, help shore up the defense in a way where you couldn't with just signing a central defender because that's just trying to prevent a goal. Whereas you can prevent them coming forward entirely if you have, for example, if you have Werner and um, Ziyech up top there. Yeah. You have one on the wing, one through the middle, and that's they're occupying at least three players there on their own. So I think that that'll help them out defensively as much as it will attacking-wise as well. True, um, especially if you look at City, for example. They're not great defenders, the likes of Stones, Otamendi, and uh, Walker, for instance, but City have so much of the ball, and then when they, they use the ball so effectively, and there's always a threat that you're penned in, and you can't really get out. And if you're clinical enough, that should be fine, and you kill most games off, so the defence isn't a worry, even if you say concede one, because you've already scored two or three. Uh, Mamalas, do you see Chelsea yeah. being serious challengers next season, uh, or do they still need to do some work in the transfer market? Um, I'd say uh, probably a new goalkeeper. I think there's reports of them being linked with Dean Henderson. Not sure United will let go, but yeah, defensively, I think if they get someone like Chilwell at left back, keep their defenders right now, and Kepa ho- hopefully fixes up for them. But I see him as a very bo- poor goalkeeper. Like. He makes too many mistakes for a title. Like that's the, can you see Allison with Liverpool as well? It's like he's there as a last as a last barrier. You might get through the defense, but it's very rare that Allison actually concedes because he's most likely going to save the shot. And to have yeah. that security and the defenders being able to so even with Edison, like he's not a great shot keeper, but he would save shots here and there. And you feel secure in like the players feel secure in their playing that they can lose the ball if they try something out of like the ordinary, they can lose the ball, it's fine to do that. But I like Lampard in the way he has also built his squad because this is a squad that was seen as aging, poor, not like, uh, lacking a lot of quality attacking-wise as well. We, we, they only had Higuain and Morata, what, a year ago, as they are, as two strikers. And now you have Werner, Tammy Abraham, Hudson Odoi, Pulisic, Mount, Mesa Mount, absolutely fantastic footballer as well. And I think he's really underrated by a lot, especially Chelsea fans sometimes. Um, so yeah, so you have a lot of. Uh, they mentioned Hakim Ziyech as well. So yeah, uh, they sort they're getting rid of Pedro and William. So it's like a very very good step for them in terms of the evolution of the football club. Yeah, yeah. they've really uh, built a quite a good young core there and got them for decent prices as well. They were like you said, they were overspending a lot of money on signings like Morata, uh, Drinkwater, Zafra Costa not long ago. So Lampard has really turned out around quite quickly. Uh, what do you make of uh, Pulisic's performance, uh, Denzel? He made a um, quite good impact when he came on. Yeah, he did. I was actually saying, I found it funny because I was saying that Lampard got the substitutes wrong, which every time I do say Lampard got something wrong, get something wrong, he comes and proves me wrong. Pulisic came on and changed the game completely, which is what we needed because I feel like the problem we had in the first half is we didn't have someone... Well, Pulisic didn't recreate the goals himself, but we didn't have someone at the back post there where he came in to come in for the runs. Like, we, we saw in the first half there was a chance that Mount had done some amazing work, but Loftus-Cheek just couldn't get there, which is what we missed. We needed someone to come in, be there at the right, um, at the right time and the right person, which I thought was great. Uh, yeah, uh, there was a lot of crosses going in. I think there was a stat like Chelsea nailed seven out of 21 crosses they made in the game. And when Pulisic came on, they had that threat at the back post, like you say. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a really good player and he's had a pretty good, solid first season. And he, I'm really encouraged by him, especially come next season with the forward options 
uh, especially with like uh, Hakim Ziyech and the ball that he puts into the back post, like the, uh, as Bill Quetta did for the goal. Uh, yeah. So Pulisic really got a feast uh, with Ziyech's um, delivery. Yeah. In the other game, uh, Liverpool against Everton, another board draw at Goodison. Um, Tom, what did you make of the game? Honestly, there isn't much to say about that game at all. <laughs> I think Everton are a team that sets up very pragmatically when they're playing against it at home, which is highlighted by the fact that we won one game in the last seven against them at, uh, at, at Goodison, and the rest being draws. I think, I think there was something missing, and I don't know if it has to do with fitness or not, but it didn't look like we were creating anything of note in the game. And I think we relied a lot on our... Um, defensive qualities in the game. Gomez had a goal-saving block that pushed the ball onto a post. Uh, Allison made a couple good saves, but I think uh, I think that front three didn't work for me, and I think the substitutions weren't correct at all. But it just goes to show the, the gap between the two teams that we can play probably the worst game we've played all season and still not lose against a team like Everton. Yeah, uh, in terms of the front three, do you think now a lot of talk around Liverpool uh, circles is about missing out on Werner and there might be a, them not getting another forward. Do you think they desperately need another forward now? Uh, watching a game like that with Minamino and Origi struggling and not really proving that they can make that step up in quality if Liverpool are missing a Salah or Firmino uh, for any extended period of time. I think when it comes to uh, the front three, it's going to be very difficult for Liverpool to to sign anyone of quality to make a big, big impact on the squad because the the situation with Werner uh, proved that as he's going to come in, but where is he going to play? He's not going to play ahead of Firmino because he's a he's a big part on on the wingers playing well, and I don't think Klopp's going to get a change of formation to allow for one t- person to come in. I think it would be a good idea, but it's going to be very hard to draw people to Liverpool as you've got Salah, Mane, and Firmino as the front three. So when it comes to an attacking player, you're not going to be playing ahead of them very often. So I think it's very hard to find someone that's young, good, and willing to come in and sit on the bench for a majority of games. And I think that's where players like Shakiri uh, come in. Because well, Shakiri is a player that uh, tends to be banished and not used quite well by uh, Klopp in general. Because when he's played, he's actually done quite well, but he, for some reason, just doesn't seem to get the games. Uh, why do you think that is? Honestly, I, I couldn't tell you because I think Shakiri's been quality whenever he's played. I can think of that uh, the United game, uh, the 3-1 last, last season, and I can think of um, the Everton game this season when he's come in. He's put in a real shift. He's changed games. And I, I don't understand the, the obsession with not playing him. I don't know if it's a fitness issue or whatnot, but I think we, need, we genuinely do need an attacker that's, that's not a massive drop-off in quality between the front three, as Carragher's also said. And I don't think Minamino's that player that can play on the wing for us at all. I think he's more of a central player. And I don't think he's got the physicality to play as a nine either. So I don't know where he fits in. I don't know where Shakiri would fit in in the front three with Klopp's ideas in mind. I think he's more um, set on the youngsters coming through, like Harvey Elliott, to, to prove or to fill that gap. But I don't think that's, that's the quality we need. We need a, we need a top, top player. So in terms of that top, top player you're talking about, could Coutinho be the answer then? Because he's able to play on the left and done it quite effectively for Liverpool in 17-18 just before he left. And he has that familiarity with the club, with the playing at the front three as well, uh, with Klopp and everything else. Do you think he's the answer? 
I don't think he would be the answer depending on how much he would cost because there's quotes of about 60 million and I don't think Klopp would want to pay that type of money on a player that's that's left us. I think on a loan as well. I don't think I don't think it's something that Klopp would do. I don't think it's it's something that would that would fit his ideology. I think it would be great to, to bring him in, but I think he'd probably be looking at someone younger. Like, uh, for example, there's been a lot of talk of Saka from Arsenal, and I think that would probably be if honestly, if in this window we signed Saka and one other player that's not world-breaking. I think that'd be a successful window for us, depending uh, considering that we're not looking to spend that much anyway. Yeah, I think that's the issue there with Liverpool is the lack of ambition they're showing. Um, considering the position they're in now, just uh, won the Champions League, about to win the Premier League, uh, money coming in from P- uh, TV, prize money, Champions League money coming in. And overall, I feel like they're missing the trick, not trying to strengthen their squad right at their very peak. Um, when they can, when you have Saleh, uh, Salah, Mane, Firmino, who are getting older at the same time, and they've played a lot of football, they've managed to avoid injuries up until now, and that's been a real positive for them. But I feel like they haven't really um, been rotated enough, and because of the lack of uh, quality on the bench from the likes of Origi, Minamino, uh, and so forth, doesn't allow that for them. And Liverpool really need to address that issue if they're going to move forward, because the likes of Chelsea are getting stronger day by day, and Manchester City, depending on how their bank goes, could do a lot in the summer. So you can't really stand still because your rivals will keep getting stronger. Um, so I feel like the issue, like you said, Saka is a good option that they might have to look at to play left back as well. So if they don't really address this uh, issue this summer, I, I feel like they might get left behind soon if they're not very careful. Momlas, what do you make of the situation at Liverpool and their lack of activity in the transfer market? Um, okay, so just before I answer that, I just wanted to make sure uh, to say that Calvert Lewin's performance yesterday was really really good i think like he stretched their defenses made sure that liverpool could not easily build up as well and i think it was yeah for him personally it was a really good game and it shows how much he's matured since last season so with liverpool situation i agree with you i think for the best way to make sure that a top team does not keep on winning is to not invest in the team we're not so we're not thinking about the front three right now we're thinking about them two three years down the line when they're missing the African Cup of Nations and they're going to African Cup of Nations, what's Liverpool going to do at that moment? They're going to have up to four games potentially with none of their, their best wingers. Keita will also be gone as well. There will be a real lack of creativity in that team. And that could be enough, to, for example, to tip the title in City's favour or any other team that improves. So if I was a Liverpool fan, I'd be demanding for the club to spend. But they've shown it last season. I don't think they signed anyone last season. And nope. they still, yeah, and and they they basically won. The, they destroyed the league this season, so they have done it before. So, yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah, I think when it comes to a bit of a gamble, though, um, relying on that for two seasons in a row, relying on Klopp's brilliance uh, to get the team through and making sure there's no injuries um, over a course of a season. But they have an excellent medical team, and they don't get many players injured as other clubs. That's the thing, though. They. And they play. They play more smartly in games as well. They don't press as highly as they used to do at the club's early years, um, and they rest players as well. So, for example, yesterday, like Salah didn't play at all, so he'd be fit for Wednesday. A much more smart club than they used to be five years before. I think Liverpool is a team. Sorry, I think Liverpool is a team that, uh, from what we've what we've known, we don't really show much when it comes to 
the financial situation. But as you mentioned, there's a lot of Champions League money, the Premier League money, the TV money and whatnot. But we got to understand that under the extraordinary circumstances that we're in now, most of that money's gone and we won't have it for next season because we got knocked out of the Champions League at the round of 16. So that Champions League money is not going to be there for next season. And I think the financial situation is a lot more dire than than, than we realize because FSG aren't going to be you know, pumping money into the club like City's owners do. So I think when it comes to the financial situation, it's it's a lot more bleak than we think. And that's probably why we probably won't spend much this season. But I think it's all speculation when it comes to the transfer window. And that's why I don't think um, that we should be outraged outright because we don't know anything for sure. It's all on speculation. And I think we should deal more in facts. And if at the end of the window we haven't signed anyone, then that's when the outrage should start. Yeah, that's a fair point, really. Um, so Liverpool inch closer to the title. That's a foregone conclusion, as we know. But what's not a foregone conclusion is the top four race. And big weekends uh, for Wolves and Chelsea. Denzel, how do you see the top four race going? Um, obviously, Liverpool and City have cemented their positions. I, I believe Chelsea and United will finish top four and Leicester will just miss it because... Obviously, we're playing a lot of games. If the season finished regularly, I think Leicester would still would have made clinch the top four. But they haven't since the turn of the year. They haven't really performed the way they were at the, start of, uh, um, at the end of 2019. Sorry, and they don't have the squad depth as Chelsea United do for the so many games of succession. And they're still in the FA Cup world, which they do play against Chelsea. But I don't. I just don't think their squad is performing or is deep enough for them to actually push for the top four and keep their position. Uh, do you see Wolves making a late uh, challenge for top four? Uh, they had a really good performance at West Ham and they've gone from strength to strength. Adama Traore, another excellent performance. Uh, what do we what do we think of Wolves and their chances of top four? Um, I think they're slim. I don't think it's something that will likely happen, but I do think it's possible. I don't think it's something that we can... I just say, no, Wolves definitely aren't getting top four. They could push, but I feel like they would need Chelsea and United to slip up heavily and Leicester to slip up heavily for them to actually get the position. Uh, Mumlas, what do you make of the top four race? Uh, who do you see getting it? Um, I'd probably agree with Chelsea and United. Actually, United is a bit of an if because we don't tend to play well against the smaller teams. But with Pogba and Bruno fit, hopefully they should be able to do them. But what's more interesting is there's only four points between Manchester United and Crystal Palace and five points ahead for Chelsea. So there's a lot of teams in and around the, the, top, the top four, top five, depending on City's ban. So it's going to be a very interesting end to the season. And I think there'll be a lot of twists and turns along the way. Uh, Tom, what do you make of the top four race? Uh, do you see the likes of Sheffield United and Wolves making a serious push for Champions League or even making the Europa League? I think when it comes to Wolves, I think they've they've got to choose at this point. Uh, they had to choose, sorry, um, before covid between the Europa League, pushing for the Europa League, or pushing for the Champions League in 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 the league, and I think now that they haven't got that situation in mind, where the Europa League is going to be cut down and be a smaller tournament, I think they they can make a real real charge for for top four. But I don't I don't think the top four will change much from what it is now. I think it'll be Liverpool, City, Leicester, and 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 Chelsea to finish it out. But depending on City's ban, fifth place could get a Champions League spot. So I think it's between. United and uh, Wolves, I don't think Tottenham will make much of a push there. So when it comes to the Champions League places, it'll, I think it'll most likely be Liverpool, City, 
uh, Leicester, sorry, uh, Chelsea, and one of Wolves or United if City's ban is upheld. Uh, yeah, I don't see. I'm not really convinced by Leicester, to be honest with you. Um, they before the ban, uh, before the COVID-19 situation, they just didn't look convincing, and yeah. they've not looked convincing at Watford uh, on the weekend. I'm not really convinced that their points really, um, their performances should re- uh, reflect where they are. Um, they've not been convincing throughout the season, and I see the likes of United uh, overtaking them. But there, one team, one there team is an eight-point gap in between uh, Leicester and United, and I think Leicester are well within their means to get are well within their means to get four wins. I think it is from the last eight games to clinch that spot. So I don't think it's it's that easy to drop down below fifth place. They've won one in 14, though, in the league. Wow. They've won one game after the last... Not 14, but they've won two games this year, basically, in 2020 in the league. Yeah, yeah see, they've not really been convincing at all. Um, but the yeah, Leicester so- United is the final game as well on the last day. Yeah, that would be I think that's what's going to decide us. Yeah. That would be an amazing game if it comes down to the wire. Yeah. Uh, my prediction would probably be um, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, and United. Um, I see Wolves getting Europa League and finishing fifth, uh, uh, finishing sixth, yeah, and Leicester probably fifth. Yeah. Um, but depending on City's bad scores, that might just be enough for Leicester. But I feel like Leicester fifth is still that's still even if they don't if they do miss out on the top four, for them. Finishing fifth is really impressive. That isn't something that they should be deciding by at all yep. if they're going to try to push to cement themselves in the top 16, which I think they can. Yeah, I yeah, think United really have a big chance too. Because I think they've got the best uh, the best form currently. I'm looking at the form tables. I think they've got the best form in the in the league. They've uh, behind Burnley, that is. And they have lost uh, United. Oh, they yeah. have lost in their last five games. And I think that's that's something that they can continue if they with Pogba fit with Bruno fit, and I think they can continue that to to make a late push for fourth. But that has to do with uh, Chelsea dropping points, and I think the only game that I can see them dropping points is City so far. Uh, speaking of City, they play Burnley tonight. Um, Mamalas, uh, how do you see that game going? Um, I see a comfortable victory for City in all honesty. I think it'd be almost like a 3-0. Burnley would try to sit deep, try, try to create chances with the top tier of Ashley Barnes. Um, and I don't think it would work. I think City are just going to be comfortable on the ball and win. Yeah, I'm expecting quite a good performance from City. Second half performance against Arsenal was really encouraging and they found their stride. So I think we should see more of that really. And I'm hoping De Bruyne gets a couple of assists and gets closer to the record. Um, Another game uh, in midweek. Uh, Tom, do you think that's going to be the game Liverpool clinch the title um, or, or get really close to it against Crystal Palace? Do you see a much better performance um, from the derby? I mean, I can hope for a better performance, but I don't think it's something that I can expect. I think at worst it'll be a draw at home, but it's all dependent on, on the City-Burnley game. If City end up losing that game, I think it I think they would give us a push that we need to to win that game. But I think with the massive break that we've had, it's got a, it's, it's made a massive impact on, on on the squad. And I don't know for sure that we can win that game, which is not something that I would have been saying four months ago. Yeah, the break has really had that kind of effect. And Crystal Palace actually looked quite good against uh, exactly. Bournemouth. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. They looked really sharp in their passing and they got those early goals. So it won't be an easy game for Liverpool. Um, yeah. They won the last four games. Yeah, they're making a serious push for Europe as well. Um, if, Denzel, Chelsea plays City in midweek. How do you see that game going? Well, that's a good question. I, I think it does depend on the... I do expect Man City to win comfortably tomorrow, but then against Chelsea, I see. I think Chelsea could fight for a draw. I don't see us actually winning, but if we do win, I can see us... I can, I can see maybe we could get lucky and maybe do win 2-1, but I do think the draw is more likely. Or, but I don't think I don't think it'll be an easy game for Seattle. I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be one of the best games since we've been back because Chelsea did look good in the second half against Aston Villa, and City obviously they destroyed Arsenal, and they're playing tonight, which I think they'll probably play well as well as well. But I think I'm gonna say maybe my, if I was to give a prediction, I'd say maybe one one. Yeah, yeah, that I could see that happening probably, but I yeah. think City will edge it about two one. Yeah. Um, so. That, that's all for uh, this, uh, today's show. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, Tom. Yep, thanks, lads. Uh, thanks for coming on, Denzel. Thanks for having me. And Mamalas. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I really enjoyed the discussion. Yeah. Thank you, everyone uh, who listened. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, you can find us on Deezer, uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, and we're soon going to be on iTunes as well. Uh, as for some of you who listened to the first episode, uh, you may have noticed that we've had a name change. Uh, we didn't really fancy being called the Culture Club uh, since that's the name of uh, Boy George's band and we don't really want to get confused with that. So we've called it Blame on the Bar podcast. You can find it uh, on Twitter at Blame BLTV pod. And you can find the... We have a news account as well. Uh, so you can find us there on Twitter as well at BLTV uh, football. Uh, all the latest Premier League news and so much more. So follow us on this, all the socials from Spotify, SoundCloud, Deezer, uh, on Twitter as well. Uh, stay updated. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>